All right, good evening. Couple quick things. One, your worship band's just awesome. If y'all shouldn't take that for granted. They do a great job. That was amazing worship, and I know it touched my heart, and uh, I think you guys just need to give them a round of applause. Second, I'm not Caleb. If, if you didn't figure that out yet, uh, I'm much better looking, not quite as tall. Uh, my name is Jeremy, and uh, I have the distinct honor, and I do consider it an honor and privilege to talk to you tonight. It's kind of funny, a couple months back, I, uh, I really felt laid on my heart to just give Caleb a simple phrase of, you know, hey, if you ever can't speak, you know, I've, I've done, I've led youth groups before, just, just let me know, I'll speak for you. And it's kind of weird that, you know, I, I said it, but I don't think I really understood what it was. So when he called me a couple weeks ago and says, hey, I need you to speak this, this Sunday, and I kind of got a stage fright. I was like, whoa, I, I said it. I don't know if I really meant it, right? Do you ever be in that situation? That's kind of how I felt. And it's been a long time since I had to do the public speaking thing. And I was like, well, what's the topic? He's like, all in, I'm like, all in? Yeah, we want to challenge our youth to be all in for Christ and for the church. I'm like, wow, thanks for giving me the light stuff, man, right? Easy subject, right? Easy subject, right? But, you know, I went back over some of my public speaking things, and they said the first thing you got to do is build a rapport with the audience, it's a French word, rapport, right? You know, so yeah, I got to get let you know me a little bit so that you can, you know, hear me and know uh, why I'm here. So, first, most important fact about me: if you remember nothing else I talk about tonight, remember this: Jeremy, me, I am a sinner saved by the grace of God. Period. I fell short of His glory, and it's only through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross that I can come before you assured eternal life, right? That is the most important thing about me. And that's why I'm standing here because I believe that with everything I am. And I want anything I can do to help educate you and, and build you deeper in your faith, I think is the most important things that any of us can do. So I am no better than anyone in here. I'm just maybe a little bit older, a little bit older, not much. And uh, I'm just uh, want to share what I can with you guys. The second most important thing you need to know about me, or the second most important thing in my life, is my family. <laughs> we haven't got those adoption papers done yet, so. All right, but my family is very, I got a very unique family, right? So there's my beautiful ladies on the screen. You may recognize a couple of them. Um, you know, starting at the far right is my beautiful, amazing, unbelievably wonderful wife, Erin, right? Let me tell you, guys, I have no doubt that I married out of my league, right? She is the uh, most beautiful woman in the world to me, and I, I'm glad I wake up every morning uh, with her in my life. The other four young ladies in the picture are my beautiful daughters. Now, let me tell you, they are the joys of my life, and there is not a single thing I would not do for any one of them. Uh, I mean, our house is, is wonderful. 
But let me be honest. There's certain challenges with being the only guy in a house full of women, all right? I mean, we even have two cats, and even the cats are girls. We can't even get that right, right? So I'm, I'm a guy in a sea of estrogen, right? Yes. A, a guy in a sea of girls. So there are certain things about my household which are particularly challenging as a guy. Take like the house decorations, for, for example, right? Now, understand, I got 20-plus years in the Marine Corps, I've been all over the world. I've been, you know, multiple combat tours. I got all sorts of trinkets from Iraq, Afghanistan. You know, last count, I've been to something to like 38 different countries in the world. And I got, you know, stuff from everywhere. You know, it's really cool stuff. Do you think you see any of it in my house? No, no, no. You walk in my house, you see pretty pink butterflies and, and French paintings and all this little, you know, nice chubby angels, you know, that makes you all feel warm inside, right? Totally unmanly. I, I, I just can't say that. Then how about, how about what, what we watch on TV, right? Guys, tell me, there's nothing quite as good as a great action flick, right? You know, something with big guns and big explosions. Yeah, coming Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. But do I get to watch those? No, I, I do not. What, what, if I go to my Netflix right now and the recommendations, all the recommendations are going to be cheesy British shows, right? You know, Downtown Abbey, freaking Dr. So-and-so, whatever. If I have to watch one more tea party, I'm going to throw my shoe at the TV. I'm just being totally honest with you, right? But probably the most challenging thing that I have, being the only guy in a house full of women, is dinner. And why dinner? Because we try to have dinner as a family, and I can't get a word in edgewise. I mean, it, it's amazing. Between, between Anna, my kooky, you know, uh, eighth grader, who just beguiles us with stories that we can't have here because she's giggling through the entire thing, to my daughter, Isabella, who loves to uh, uh, tell us everything that's going on at Oscar Smith High School, you know, to, to Gabby, who tells us the drama of Chick-fil-A, right? You know, I never get a word in edgewise. I might get like a word here or a word there, but nothing meaningful ever comes out. I just sit in there, nod my head, and, and eat my food, right? And I used to think that maybe that's unique because my, all my daughters are social butterflies. But I tell you what, it's not just my family. Because I did a little bit of research. In 2007, the University of California did a study, and it measured how many words men and women speak every day. Right? What their study concluded was that women speak an average of 20,000 words every day. I'm just going to let that resonate for a minute. 20,000 words. I don't even know 20,000 words, right? So guys speak an average of 13,000 words less. So none of the guys have to take off their shoes and count. That means guys average speaking 7,000 words a day. Women speak 20,000 words a day. Unbelievable, right? I'm looking here, I see two distinct reactions in the audience. All the women kind of give me like this evil stare, like whatever, right? 
And all the guys are just kind of like smiling, knowing, yeah, I believe it, right? It's two totally different, uh, two totally different reactions here. So, but let's look, how do we have such disparity between the word counts? Well, let me give you a quick example, all right? So if I were to show you this picture right here, right? If I was to show it to a guy, I say, hey, can you describe this picture for me? Guy's going to look at it. It's a cute blonde in a dress. And that's it, right? So, and then that, those five little words, we encompassed everything that we want to you know, tell others about that picture. Flip the coin. If I was to take this picture up to a, one of the lovely young ladies in the audience, I said, hey, can you describe this picture? It's probably going to go something like this. Oh my goodness, that dress is so awesome. Where can I get a dress like that? Oh, look at the frilly stuff. Oh my goodness, it is so adorable, right? And look at her hair. Oh my goodness, that hair. I gotta get my hair like that. If I cut three inches off right here and I can comb it over just right, I, I, I've been thinking about doing that with my hair for like two months now, right? Oh, and, and those shoes. Oh my goodness, if I could get those shoes right there, I, we are totally going shopping after this so I can go see if I can find those shoes right there. So what the guys passed in five words, women are going to take about 200 words to pass, right? Because they both ultimately have the same meaning, right? Well, you might think that's strange, but that same study that found the disparity in words, 20,000 for women, 7,000 for men, also found something else. That despite however many words you may speak in a day, Generally, everyone only speaks 3,000 words of consequence. What do I mean by words of consequence? Words that actually mean something. I'm not talking about talking about football. I mean educational, instructional, communicating core ideas that you need in life. 3,000 words. Everyone in here. So basically, you start every day when you wake up in the morning with a counter of 3,000 words that you're going to stay in that day that's going to make a difference in your life and in the life of those around you. So that begs the question, how are you spending your 3,000 words? Right? So what are we doing with them? Well, are we talking to the people that are important in our life? How many, when was the last time you had a conversation, a real conversation with your mom or dad? When was the last time you grabbed your brother or sister and, and sat down and really had a conversation as siblings? When was the last time you used your words to help someone else, to build someone else up, right? To help them out. Hey, you know, maybe I can help you with your math. Maybe I can help you with whatever, insert whatever. But probably most importantly, the question I would ask you, are you using your words to talk to God? That's kind of a, you know, we call that talking to God as prayer, right? Are you actually praying? Kind of seems, you know, if you're all in, in your relationship with God, probably the most important thing you can do is pray with him, talk to him, communicate with him. Right, And so tonight, I'm just going to very briefly kind of go over three quick points of why 
It's so important that you prioritize your prayer with God and use those limited amount of words that you have every day in communion with your Lord and Savior. First, prayer is important because it's personal communication with God. I'm telling you, if right now there was a phone on this stage and it rang with the president of the United States as the caller ID, I wouldn't care who the president was, I would pick it up in a heartbeat. Regardless, Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, whatever. Why? Because the, the thought of getting to talk to someone like the president is pretty exciting. Right? How many of you have ever waited in one of those lines for autographs for someone, for some movie star or sports star? I remember when uh, my girls were younger, we went to Disney World, and I waited in a 30-minute line to get Tinkerbell's autograph. But how much more important is God than any one of them? Right? The creator of the universe, when he spoke at the beginning of creation, everything flashed into existence. Right? And he wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to you. See, here's the thing about coming to church. I'm sure many of you right now would tell me, hey, I'm at church every time the doors open. I'm here. I'm at youth group. You know, I'm working in, in this ministry. I'm working in that ministry. And all that is wonderful. But you can do all that and have a stagnant relationship with God. Right? Now, on social media, you probably have two types of friends, right? I know I do. You know, you have your friends who are actually friends. And then you have the people that are just kind of there, right? So you're, you're going through your feed on Instagram, and you see a picture from someone that you may have talked to twice in your life. Oh, that's cute. That's, that's a nice snapshot of their life. When you come to church, that's what you're getting. You're getting snapshots. Until you invite God to be a daily part of your life, until you communicate on a daily basis, your relationship is always going to be limited. Your relationship is always only going to go so far, right? If you're in trouble, you can't call on those Instagram friends, right? You can't rely on them. God wants a deeper relationship with you than that. 1 Timothy 2.5 tells us there's one God and there's one mediator between God and men, Christ Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, he opened it up so that you had direct access to God. That's amazing when you think about it. Humbling when you really think about it. Don't settle for an Instagram face. Strive to communicate with God and go deeper. Second, why is prayer important? Because prayer changes things. Prayer absolutely. The Bible is littered with examples after example after example of times when people prayed and God changed things, right? James 4.2 says, you desire, but you do not have because you do not ask. Then Chronicles 7.14, humble yourself, pray and seek me. Mark 11.24, pray and ask and it will be given to you. All these things, these multiple times, God is saying, come to me, bring me what you need. Bring me what you're looking for. I knock and you shall, I shall be open to you. Time after time in the Bible, it tells us this right here. 
Everybody remembers the story of Jonah? Jonah was tasked with going to Nineveh because God was going to destroy the entire city. But instead of going to Nineveh to the west, Jonah jumped and tried to go east, right, because he was scared. But God corrected that real fast by swallowing him in a fish, swimming him back the other way, and dumping him on the coast. But when Jonah passed a message, the people of Nineveh were afraid, and they prayed. And God didn't destroy Nineveh. Prayer changes things. In your own life, when you first you know, come to faith, most people are led through the sinner's prayer. Where you're admitting to God that you have sinned and you've fallen and asking for forgiveness. Right? God listens and he will respond to prayer. It changes things. Think about that. You have the ability to talk directly with God and change his mind. James 5, 13 through 16. I just want you to listen to this. Is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church, and they should pray over him after anointing him with olive oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick person. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Listen to this part. The intense prayer of the righteous is very powerful. It's basically a weapon that God has given you. It's power. God is saying, call on me. Last point, third point. Not only does prayer change things, but when we pray for, for forgiveness for us and others, it brings us closer to God, right? Here's the thing about sin. Who in here doesn't sin? You raised your hand, you're lying right now, so you just sinned. So that includes all of us, right? The thing about sin is it drives a wedge between us and God. And the only way to bring that wedge out is to communicate with him through prayer and to ask for forgiveness. How many of you have arguments or have disagreements with your parents? Right? Isn't that bad, Gabby? You don't have to, like, shove it up in the air. All right. Do, you, do those disagreements just go away? Or do you need to ask forgiveness? You have to go and say, I'm sorry, to start building that relationship back. Prayer is the same way. Prayer is our opportunity to, to bring our sin before God and seek forgiveness, to get back to him. Too many people go, hey, I'll come back to God and I'll start praying again when I got my life right. I can't, I can't pray right now because I'm not right with God. Well, you got it backwards. The way you get right with God is by praying to him by talking to him, by communicating with him. If you don't talk to him, you're never gonna take the first step to repair the relationship that sin damages. You have to make that step. You gotta reach out to them. Matthew 6, 12 through 15 is a part of the Lord's Prayer. It says, forgive our sins as we forgive our debtors. The Lord's Prayer is a prayer that Jesus 
you know, modeled for us is how we should pray to God. And the center part of that is about asking for forgiveness, about cleansing what's uh, keeping us from God. Your relationship with God is probably the most important in your life. I tell you, I, I, I said at the very beginning, I love my daughters with all my heart. I would literally give them the heart out of my chest if they needed it. But as much as I love my daughters, God loves them more. As much as your parents love you, God loves you more. And he wants to be close to you. He wants to have that relationship with you. The only way to do that is to be all in, to make prayer a central part of your life. I'm gonna leave you with one final quote. It comes from a guy a lot smarter than me, right? He's one of these uh, theologians with the 10 pound brains, right? He said, if we were really convinced that prayer often changes the way God acts and that God does bring about remarkable change in response to prayer as scripture repeatedly teaches, then we would pray much more than we do. If we pray little, it is probably because we do not believe the power of prayer accomplishes much at all. Think about that. If you don't pray you really got to look at where you are in your walk with Christ. Because prayer is one of the core things that, and probably most important thing you can do to build your relationship with God, right? Everything is right here in this book, the, the holy truth of Jesus Christ. This is where you start with. This is where you grow. My challenge to you as we get ready to, to leave this place, as you go out into the world this week, I challenge you to be all in. Take five minutes a day, whether it's before you go to school in the morning, whether it's before you lay down at night, and actually pray. It doesn't have to be some great, you know, eloquent, you know, prayer. I heard Caleb say at one time, start with, hey, God. Just humble your heart and come before your Savior. His hands are out there reaching for you, wanting to you know, embrace you, wanting to help you, wanting to support you, wanting to help you get past those obstacles in your life, wanting to help you to reach that next level of relationship with him. But you gotta start it. Five minutes a day is my challenge to you over the next week. Go all in. Don't have an Instagram face. Build something deeper. Build something that's eternal and something that's going to last in your life. Let's bow our heads to pray.